as I um, came to prepare for this morning, I've, uh, I've changed it a little bit from what is uh, there on the bulletin. And uh, I've given the title this morning of Empowered by the Spirit. Empowered by the Spirit. And we're going to be looking at various passages in, uh, the, uh, in the Scriptures, but primarily from Acts and uh, delving a little bit into uh, the letters of Paul. And uh, because I've been very struck by this verse in Acts chapter 1, and it's what God has just been focusing on my heart with, that I've just quoted. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And we know that ten days later the Spirit came. The Spirit came on those disciples who were waiting, passionately there in the temple courts, consistently and faithfully. The Spirit came and we recognised that at the end of that day of Pentecost, 3,000 were added uh, to their numbers. So that there was that power that took them out of the building, onto the streets, proclaiming the name of Jesus. And uh, I just want to read just a few passages, just a couple of passages, and then we will come back to that in uh, Acts chapter 1. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4 and uh, verse 23. And uh, this again is, uh, it comes at a time when Peter and John have been before the Sanhedrin. They've been locked up, but they've been released from prison. And uh, it says there that in verse 23, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and made the and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of the servant David. Why do the nations rage and why do peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your, your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. If you want to keep your fingers in those passages, then turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 3. And it's a, Paul, it's a prayer that Paul has for the church at Ephesus. And it's words that we probably know very, very well. But I want to pray that we might hear them perhaps this morning with fresh ears just what Paul is actually praying in these verses. For this reason I kneel before the Father, in verse 14, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. 
I pray that out his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. What a prayer. What a prayer to be prayed. What a prayer to have prayed over you. Empowered by the Spirit. Where does God speak to you? Where does God speak to you? Or when was the last time that you felt that God spoke to you? Well, One or two have already commented that I've got my toothbrush. Now you sort of don't think, how can God speak to you through a toothbrush? Something that we use, isn't it? Okay, this is this is my this is my toothbrush. I went and picked it up one morning this week, and uh, I pressed the button, and there was nothing there. There was nothing there. Still a toothbrush. Still a toothbrush. I could still use it. I could still use it to clean my teeth. I could still put the toothpaste on it. I could still brush my teeth with it. But it wouldn't be effective. It wouldn't be effective. It wouldn't clean my teeth as well. Why? Because it hasn't got the power. It hasn't got the power. And God just simply said, David, that's you without the power of my spirit. You can go through the motions. You can say your prayers. You can read your Bible. You can even witness. But unless you have my power, Unless you have my power, you'll be ineffective. Not to say that you won't see fruit. Not to say that you won't see fruit. But you won't see the fruit that you were called to have. Because you lack the power. And I want to ask you a simple question this morning. Do you lack the power? Do you lack the power? The power of God's Holy Spirit? Yes, you're a Christian. And you go through all the motions, just as I could with this toothbrush. But somehow it lacks the power. It lacks the effectiveness. At the end of his Gospel... Luke, 
At the end of his gospel and the beginning of Acts, Luke records two significant commands Jesus gave to his disciples. They're very clear, but they say the same thing in two different ways. He says, you are my witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. That's the end of Luke's gospel. At the beginning of the Acts, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Very clear. He's telling them that you're going to be my witnesses and you'll be my witnesses when you receive the power, the power of the Holy Spirit. This extraordinary power came upon the disciples at Pentecost. It says in Acts 2 and verse 4 that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice that in those three verses, first of all he says you're going to be clothed with power. What do we do with clothing? We, we wrap something around us. Every one of us this morning... We clothed ourselves. We covered ourselves. In those verses, he says, you will receive power. Something that you take to yourself. If you receive something, you grasp it and you take it and you hold it and you bring it to yourself. And then he says these disciples were filled. There's lots of different images going on there in those three verses. And they became remarkably effective because 3,000 were added to their numbers that day. Wow. We can only dream about that, can't we? We can only dream about it. But Jesus appears to be linking two things. He's linking being witnesses and receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. He's linking the two things. Now the word witness has two significant meanings. From a legal background, it means to testify, to bear witness, as one would, who would stand in a court of law. It's actually telling your story. You've seen something, and so you're telling your story. That's what a testimony is, telling your story there. You are my witnesses to these things, he said to his disciples. What things? Well, the life of Jesus, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection. They were witnesses to that. There. But this word also has with it the connotations of martyr. Our English word martyr comes from this same root word. And giving rise to the understanding that a witness is someone who's prepared to lay down their lives for a cause. It's interesting that all the disciples, except John, did just that. Their witness took them to their death. So we recognise that here there's a call, but there is also a cost. There is also a call, there is a call, but there is also a cost to being a witness. The word power, sorry, 
The word power is dunamis, from which we get the word dynamite. We love that, don't we? That sort of explosive, almost destructive. But it's not a destructive power that Jesus is talking about because it involves the giving of courage, it involves the giving of boldness, it involves the giving of confidence, of insight, of ability and authority. It's God giving us, God-given ability to live the life of Christ, to live the calling that he has placed on our lives. This power, this unusual fullness, came upon the church and its messengers again and again throughout the Acts of the Apostles and the special challenges that they had to witnessing for Christ. Think of it, Peter. Peter in chapter 4, verse 8, standing before the authorities, filled with the Holy Spirit, he spoke to them. And he speaks to them about Jesus. And he speaks to them about the power of the gospel. And they saw the courage that Peter had. Here he was going right into the lion's den. And what do they see? They see his courage. They see his boldness. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, the disciples there praying as we've just read. Yes, they're surrounded by the threats of the community, those in authority. They're out to get them, if, they, if you like. And so they come and they pray and they come and they, they throw themselves on the mercy of the sovereign God. And they prayed the place where they were meeting was shaken. Sometimes I stop there and I think, where they were meeting was shaken? What would it take for this building to be shaken? What would it take for this building to be shaken? And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Not with fear and trepidation, not with uncertainty, but with boldness there, with a courage. In Acts chapter 6, verse 5 through to verse 10, we find Stephen. And he's described as a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Is that, is that how people describe you? A woman of faith and of the Holy Spirit. A man of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Is that how you, we are known? Is that how we are known? And in verse 10 it says that the Jews could not withstand the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Acts 11, we read about Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord through his ministry there. But this is not only in the book of Acts. Paul's letters talk of the same extraordinary power available to Christians. For example, in Ephesians, those verses that we've read, that we love so much that we almost think we know them, but do we? Do we? Paul prays that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen. Strengthen, that means to empower. That means to empower you with power. So he's praying that God will empower you with power. 
through his spirit in your inner being. And in verse 19, he prays that we would be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Just pause there for a moment. That we might be filled to the fullness of the measure of God. Isn't that incredible? And in verse 21, he says that God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. What are you imagining? What is your imagining? What, what are you imagining that God can do? Earlier this year, we had that sort of challenge thrown down that 50 baptisms in five years. God can do immeasurably more. Immeasurably more than all we imagine or consider. How? How does he do it? According to the power that is at work within us. In other words, he's talking about an extraordinary power to us believers. A power that can accomplish far more than we ordinarily think or imagine. It is given by the Spirit. It is in harmony with the riches of God's glory. And is this very fullness of God himself. As incredible as that sounds. So what does this power look like? Because I, we, need this power. Breton Baptist Church needs this power. The church in the UK needs this power. And the reason we need it is that without this power, our witness for Christ will be lacking. Remember the toothbrush? It will be ineffective. I want to suggest four traits that demonstrate the Holy Spirit's power within us as it relates to our witness and as they come from the early church in, uh, in the book of Acts and uh, there. First of all, it brings deep conviction. Deep conviction. When the Holy Spirit falls on us in power, our witness to Christ comes with a deep and abiding conviction. Paul, writing to the church at Thessalonica, says, Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. Conviction equals confidence, assurance, passion. It's not about being apologetic for our message. It's about the simple fact that we are confident in our message. We are confident in the power of Jesus Christ. We are confident in the power of the cross. We are confident in God's love and God's mercy and God's grace. We are confident and we are assured in the future hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. That we are confident and certain of God's presence with us. Every moment of the day, in the good times and in the bad times, we know the unnerving and uncertain promises of God are true. We have that deep conviction that nothing shakes. What is it that with Peter, he goes out on that day of Pentecost and he preaches his heart out with deep conviction 
He draws into the scriptures and he says, this Jesus whom you crucified is both Saviour and Lord. There's a passion in his heart. Do we exhibit that same passion? Do we have that same conviction, that same confidence and that same assurance in the God who has saved us? Or are we apologetic? Are we timid? Do we stand back in case we offend? Or we hurt someone's feelings? There was a deep conviction in what they were preaching and what they were sharing. There was a self-denying courage and boldness. When the Holy Spirit falls on us in power, our witness to Christ comes with a self-denying courage and boldness. As we've read, also, first of all, in Acts 4, verse 31 there, that they spoke the word of God with boldness. They stepped out. They stepped out of their comfort zone. They stepped out into the world. They stepped out into the streets, into the market squares, into the supermarkets of the city, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Paul encouraged where are we? Paul, oh right. I thought there was another, another there. Oh well, it, uh, my apologies. Um, where are we? Paul encouraged Timothy in 2 Timothy uh, 1 verse 7 with these words. God did not give us a spirit of timidity. What did he give us? What did he give you? What did he give me? What did he give his church? He didn't give us a spirit of timidity. He didn't give us a spirit of fear. He didn't give us a spirit of apology, but a spirit of power, of power, of love, and of self-discipline. That's what Paul is encouraging Timothy with. But do you know what follows that verse? I'm sure we can quote that verse, and we do. So do not, it goes on to say, so do not be ashamed. So do not be ashamed, then, of the testimony about our Lord. But take your share of suffering for the gospel in the power of God. Take your share of suffering for the gospel in the power of God. Not in the power of David, not in the power of me, but in the power of God. It brings us back, doesn't it, to that word witness. There's a calling and there's a cost. There's a calling and a cost. We love the idea of the calling but we're not so sure about the cost, are we? Let's be honest. Where does boldness come from? It comes from the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Where does courage to suffer for Christ come from? It comes from the power of God, the spirit of power living in us. It brings convincing wisdom. When the Holy Spirit 
falls upon us in power. Our witness to Christ comes with convincing wisdom that is in our irresistible words. In Acts 6, verse 5, Luke tells us that Stephen was chosen as a deacon because he was full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. In verse 8, Luke also says that Stephen was a man full of God's grace and power and performed great wonders and signs among the people. Then in verse 10, Luke tells us about Stephen's witness to Jews from Alexandria and Cilicia and Asia. They could not resist the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Notice the reference constantly to the Spirit. It wasn't Stephen. It was the Spirit at work in and through Stephen. It doesn't matter how educated or intelligent we are. It doesn't matter how eloquent we are with our words. Unless the Holy Spirit comes upon us in power, then we witness to Christ, when we witness to Christ, people will still be able to twist our words. People will all still be able to make it sound unacceptable and foolish. But if the power of the Holy Spirit comes down and we are clothed with heavenly wisdom, something supernaturally happens. Our words will carry an irresistible force. For Luke records, they could not resist the wisdom and spirit with which he, that is Stephen, spoke. But note this. The power does not always guarantee that hearers will be converted. These men were not necessarily converted. But because of the more... Because they go, they go on to be much more devious in terms of their opposition to Stephen in public. But they couldn't stop but acknowledge the wisdom of the spirit with which he spoke. God, through his, with, through his spirit, gives convincing wisdom. And finally, he brings... Where are we? They've mixed up, haven't they? My apologies for this. Right. Where's this gone? Sorry, am I been moving ahead? There we are, the next one. Okay. Effective witness. When the Holy Spirit falls upon us in power, our witness to Christ comes with a converting effectiveness. Not always, as we've just seen, but far more often than without the special power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 11, it says that Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. I guess that would be our ambition, isn't it? All of us, we'd just love to be known as a good man or a good woman full of the Holy Spirit, who brings many into saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We need the special power of the Spirit's fullness because the human heart is so hard to turn to God. Conversions are the work of God's Spirit. Jesus told his disciples that it is the work of the Holy Spirit. 
It's the work of the Holy Spirit to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. But you see, so often we try to take on that responsibility to convict. But it's the Holy Spirit that does that. All we need to be is the channels through whom the Holy Spirit works. Telling our story. Telling of the power of God at work in our lives and how he's changed our lives and how he continues to change our lives and how he continues to give us confidence and boldness and the ability to stand up against the the troubles and the strifes of life and the struggles of life. Evangelism is a supernatural business or it is nothing of any eternal significance. We need special power if we want an expanding witness that actually converts people. Where are you? Where am I? What kind of toothbrush are we? Are we a toothbrush? That yes, you can use and just hold. But are we a toothbrush? with the power and the effectiveness to do what it's called to do, to do what it's made to do, because the power is there within it. Let's pray.